Sometimes it's a lovely bake, but sometimes it's a bit dreadful. Welcome to the Gingham Altar. I'm Matt. And I'm Megan. Every week we tackle another episode of everyone's favorite baking competition, the Great British Bake Off. And after we set our piece, we try to put our bakes where our mouths are and replicate some of the recipes from today's episode. This week we're taking a look at Season 5, Episode 6. That's right, it's European Cake Week. Shit's gonna get weird. Yeah, that might be the theme (laughs) of the week. Usually I'm more like, wee, and this time it's like, so it was different. (laughs) <laughs> so this is every season there's always a random theme week that isn't part of it there's always a cake week there's always a biscuit week you know things like that there is not always a european cake week i like these weeks because they're educational in a way that i like because it's sort of like hey there's a whole world of baking that you didn't know about or that you haven't experienced like for example, I remember watching an episode of some show about uh, Japanese bakeries and thinking, I have never been to a Japanese bakery, and I've just realized that there are an awful lot of them, just not where I've been. And this is kind of similar in that it's like, hey, I bet you didn't know that there were yeasted cakes. Right. And now I've made one. At the very beginning when Mel's introducing it, she says a word for one of the cakes that they could have made that was so... Yeah, that was so long and sounded like she was, you know, buffering that <laughs> I I couldn't even Google it to see what it might have looked like. <laughs> I, like, one of them's called the Google Hoof. And yes. I've seen it spelled a couple of different ways, but, like, to me, that, that really does sound like a sneeze. And I still kind of want to make one. I ended up making a Savarin. What did you yeah, end up me making? Too. Same. Okay. And... But they're pretty fun. How much of your savarin did you eat? We ate it all. Oh. Well, we're going to differ then. So yeah, we'll we'll talk about that when we get there because we definitely had some thoughts about the savarin. Yes. Well, obviously good ones if you ate it. Or maybe this is going to be where the episode where we realize that Mac will eat anything. And so will his husband. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that. So the first challenge this week was the signature bake and they had three hours to make a European cake that had to be yeasted. Because as they mentioned, there's a strong tradition of yeasted cakes in Europe because baking powder was only invented in the 1850s. Yes, which I find fascinating because it means that what we think of as cake is actually very new and different. So I find myself thinking about, for example, a medieval feast. And you think of the table and everything and you know you get to the tasty pudding part and it probably looked more actually like a bread by our estimation well and i was thinking that the way that this is all made it's it doesn't really lend itself to a lot of the things that we think of as being important to cakes like nobody cut these into layers nope. nobody really heavily iced these these while decorated were not nearly as elaborately decorated as you would expect a cake on this show to be and very unusual for i think americans because i've seen glazes but i've seen very few cakes that were soaked in alcohol or syrup a wet cake feels like much more of a european thing and so we've still got six bakers left and although the brief was for european cakes two of them went elsewhere our homegirl Kate uh, <laughs> said that, well, this is Israeli-inspired, which garnered the response, well, it's in the Eurovision Song Contest. That counts. <laughs> I love that quote. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thanks, Martha. Martha Kane, <laughs> a fun little powwow defining Europe, and it does not have anything to do with continental lines. But no. <laughs> another person who went a little bit in a different direction was Nancy because she went with more of a Caribbean vibe. That was pretty funny. But it was still, I think, technically a Savarin, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was yeah. a rum punch with a coconut cream and, and the tropical fruit. And I went in a very similar direction with my own Saverin, so I was ex- interested to find out how she did. And she didn't do that. She was not super happy with how things turned out. No, uh, but it, it was once again a case of Nancy defending what she did. Yes. You and know, it's, they're like, oh, this overproof. She's like, did it? <laughs> Never surrender, never submit. Right. (laughs) She's been baking for 50 years. She knows that it's overproved. Yeah. She's like, hmm, interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. Yeah, you liar. (laughs) I like that they called her renegade baker Nancy. And that was just in the, the narrator part. Total renegade. This is also the episode where she famously refers to Paul as uh, the male judge. He's been demoted from... Paul from Mr. Hollywood to Paul and now he's just you know the dude and I can tell you can tell that she's not super thrilled with him because they have a back and forth where when he's tasting hers and he's goes don't really taste the banana didn't think that I would it's like what an ass also but he does say there was a little bit on the end it's like so you do taste the banana no you started talking before you fully tasted it yes Paul and Nancy but you know what? We know where this is going because we've seen the whole season. And, right. Yeah. They get married in the shocking season finale. Exactly. That would be so funny. <laughs> also, they knock Nancy's decoration, but I've got a love for kitsch. So I was kind of into the little metallic palm tree. And, the, you know, I was looking at him like, I actually wrote in all caps, I love all tropical decoration. And they were like, didn't really add much, didn't like it. And I was like, no. That's amazing, and I now want to put paper umbrellas in everything I make. Oh, yeah, it was absolutely stupid, but... I loved it. Saying that, I thought it was kitschy. If it was sincere and she's like, oh, this looks like, this is the tits. No. No, clearly not. But made me laugh. Yeah, it's funny. Yes, exactly. I I think that you can more knock it for, it's an an unedible decoration. Yes, and that, I mean, I understand that as a... A general guideline that one does not make inedible decorations. But, man oh man, do I ever love... Oh, there was an article. It was either in Bon Appetit or Savor Magazine. Or Sevier. I have no idea how to pronounce that. But it talked about how tiki-style parties and drinks and decor have had a hot moment. Or they did this summer. And I was about it. Like, give me all of your fruit skewers in your cocktails. Give me, yeah, give me the tiki look in everything. So, I was Right. I mean, if you're going to have your tiki party, you need to ask yourself a very important question. Do you feel the danger of the banana? (laughs) I know neither of us feel any banana danger. (laughs) (laughs) Another great quote from Nancy was, it would probably do it a favor if I dropped it on the floor. <laughs> right. <laughs> and everybody's had that moment. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I actually had a moment like that this week because it took two attempts to get my Savarin, and the first one was pretty bad. Another good quote from Mel and Sue was addressed to Chetna while holding up her a tube pan, and it was... Oh, I believe you might be talking about my look from a judge from the week. Ooh. <laughs> yes, please, go ahead. 
Oh no no no! Well, you, she holds up that that circular ring pan, and she goes, "Kind of looks like a piles donut." <laughs> and the look that the judges give her is just withering. <laughs> and I like that it was to a host, not to a contestant. <laughs> right. It's funnier when it's to a host. It's like, nope, you can't get rid of these wisecracking bitches. You're stuck. Right. When well, you could kind of see that she's like, that joke didn't land, and we're still standing here. <laughs> And we're standing. <laughs> Moving on. For those of you who are not in the know about the word piles, that means hemorrhoids. And right. Yes. Speaking of the the tin, though, that she used, I thought that a lot of the elegance and decoration of these bakes came from baking them in fancy tins. Definitely. And shout out to a great American company, Nordicware is Absolutely. probably the maker of every exciting tin ever. No, not ever. Uh, if you want a really good bunt pan, Nordicware is the way to go. And I actually recognized Luis's because I own it and it's what I use to make my own Saverin. And... Yeah, if you want to have a fun time and you're a baker, just go to the Nordicware website and tool around. They're based in Minnesota. I have I didn't get to go on a factory tour, but visiting Minnesota, I did get to go to their factory store where they sell the entire range of their products, plus some um, factory one-offs. So if there's a little flaw, sometimes it doesn't even affect the quality of the bake or anything, but I, I scooped up some ever so slightly flawed stuff and had some big fun with it at a major discount. Another kind of option if you're looking to experiment with these different sorts of cake pans, if you don't have the room for a wide variety of things, or if you're not sure that you're ever going to use it again, there are numerous libraries around the country where you can check out cake pans what? like you would a book. No. Yeah. Where? Yes. They're they're scattered around, so I know that there's like uh, two or three around the Atlanta area. What? It's they're considered non-traditional collections, and so it's kind of you know a crapshoot whether there's one in your area. But that is something that is out there and does exist. That is the tits, Mac. Oh my gosh! Like uh, we need to find if there's some sort of a directory for these because we would totally post it in the show notes. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited by that! Like because they are not cheap. That's why no. I was so excited about finding factory one-offs. I mean, like, a single pan is probably, like, I'm going to say around 40 Yeah, absolutely. When I was pricing some of these out, that's because I had to buy a pan for this because I didn't own a ring pan. <laughs> did you buy a simple one or did you go fancy? Dale actually bought it for me from the grocery store. Oh, well, thanks, Dale. Because I was, yeah, I was not feeling great. And he's like, I can go to the store. I can handle this. It's like, okay. What well, a you sweet do it, man. Oh, I know, Did right? you get a good one? Yeah, it worked just fine. So All right. Hell yeah. It's not as much fun as the Nordicware ones, though, I'm sure. No, no, no. It's a pretty... It, it's a Piles donut pan. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Multi-purpose. You can bake your own. Um, right. <laughs> so, I, you know, I thought that overall it seemed like everybody did a pretty decent job. I thought that Luis's looked the best. He's had a good week. But actually, in this episode he kind of calls the season because mel asked him who do you you know it's six weeks in who do you think is gonna win he's like oh the money's on nancy mm, yep and nancy's not somebody who really has like blown away the judges i don't think she's been star baker yet yeah she's a sleeper she's totally a sleeper right and the fact that he's willing to be like oh she was, she was star baker the very first week he's been star baker richard's been star baker kate's been star baker but he's like no nah, no nah, it's gonna be her i, I see it i feel though like 
you could learn a lot about just being a competitor from Nancy because she does give, oddly enough, if you listen to her commentary after a challenge, before a challenge, she talks about how important your headspace is. Yeah. And I I get it. I'm really into it. And that's part of why I think she is such a fierce competitor. It's partly skill, but a lot of it's just like, well, when things go wrong, you can't let it shake your confidence and just things like that that are more about your mojo than about you know knowing how to make a genoise or genovese or i can't remember what the word is you get the idea like she gives this great nugget at the end of this challenge where she actually didn't do that well and she says well you can't look forward whilst you're looking behind and i thought if i could live my life more in accordance to that piece of advice i would be a much happier person like that's that's like some life shit from old Nancy. So is there anything else you wanted to say about the, the signature bag? Martha triumphed in spite of the fact that she was doubted. I, that she hadn't practiced it. Yeah. Yeah. And she actually did incredibly well. And that made me happy. But I think the uh, this is one of the more painful technicals. So I'm looking forward to getting on to that. This is also a, a challenge that always kind of comes to mind for me when I think about the show. They are making a Swedish princess torta, a Swedish princess cake. Which is a green dome with a rose on top. Yeah, filled with cream and jam and cake and covered on the outside with marzipan, with chocolate on top, and a piped outer layer and a rose. And they had two hours and 15 minutes to do this. And they look like... Every competitor looks like they're in fast forward the entire time. Like there's so much flustered movement in this. And like everyone is so clearly frazzled by how much time they have that, oh my gosh, I I felt so sorry for all of them. And they point out that there are 26 separate ingredients and 14 stages to this recipe. I wrote that down too. Holy moly. And here's an example of an instruction. Make a creme patisserie and chill. Just the the sheer amount of ingredients. I regularly make entire meals of multiple things with less than 26 ingredients. Oh, when I first started cooking, I was really enchanted by cooking light because poor body image. And they actually just folded. But one of their tendencies was to have a recipe with like 15 or 20 ingredients. And I remember just the measuring part of it could take so long for a new cook because getting 20 teaspoons of something takes a while, much less trying to arrange. And then after you get everything measured, you also have to cook it. Holy smokes. Ah, this is one that I find intimidating. Just be, the sheer scope of it to me feels like this would not be a fun thing to make, even if right. you had infinite time. And you can tell that it's very complicated because they did something while they were editing this show together this week that they don't usually do. Which is? And so in the first probably five minutes of this section of the show, they have edited it in such a way that contestants are saying sentences while they're off screen about what they're working on that basically builds into a recipe for how to make this oh but they're like bouncing back and forth and there's a lot of talking about what they're doing and i think it's because it's so complicated oh gosh and so they 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 keep bouncing around and they're cutting together and they do this for a good minute and it's done really well yes but we don't normally get this kind of edited explanation we'll usually hang out with one baker and they'll talk us through a whole step 
Yeah. Right. But these were literally like sentences kind of cut together from different people. Oof. Which means that they were working so hard and so fast that it was impossible for them to do the challenge and still be carrying on a coherent conversation with an interviewer or a camera person. Not a lot to say about it besides good, you know, good gosh. It was real hard. Some of them came out looking okay. Some of them didn't. I think that, you know, the biggest thing is for the look of them is just if you could get that green color right, that kind of, it's a small thing, but it does really up the look of the whole final product. Mm-hmm. And having it rolled into a single sheet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there were two, Chetna and Kate both chose to put theirs on in sections, mostly I think in Kate's case, because she was afraid that if she draped a sheet of it over, that it would just smash the whole thing flat. And Which is possible. I mean, she might have yeah. done the best possible thing with what she had, but uh, it did look real rough. So it was a flip-flop for Nancy. She went from having a pretty rough morning to being at the top with this challenge and Kate landed at the bottom and both of them were pretty philosophical about it. The only other person I wanted to comment about was Chetna seemed like she was having a really rough time with this but she actually came out in second and as soon as they call time she has this like big like victorious like arms in the air. It was so cute. Yeah it was real cute. Oh I love Chetna. They mentioned the curse of the star baker. From the week before, which is something worth, I think, discussing, if not in depth right now, just sort of keeping it in mind. Like, is there a curse of the star baker that when a person does very well one week, there's a chance that it will somehow reverse itself and that person will tank the following week? Yeah. Well, and I think that it's because people fear that they're going to peak or they they put that extra pressure on yourself and it was just like you were saying earlier nancy's idea that your headspace is vital Mm. i think is where a lot of that comes in if you're i think that that might be what you know kicks richard down so much because we've talked before about how when he's on he's on and when he's off he's off peaks and valleys and he had a really off week this week and I think that that is probably because he puts so much pressure on himself yep that it just starts to to kind of come off the rails a little bit. I agree. I agree with that completely. It's funny because he comes across as so relaxed, but I'm sure that he's kicks himself pretty hard, but he does a good job of keeping a nice smooth exterior, which I think might just be a British thing. All right. And then last up this week, we had a Hungarian Dobas Torta. Ooh, it's a pretty one. I'd eat that. Uh, yeah. So I actually make this, a version of this pretty regularly. You are too fancy. This is one. See, but it's not. It doesn't have to be this hard. Okay. They're making it harder than it has to be. The contestants so got or the judges setting the challenge. Little column A, little column B. Okay. They've got five hours to do this. It has to be at least two tiers. So the way that I make mine, I make I make it in two uh, cake rounds. I cut each of the cakes that come out of the rounds in half. You put chocolate frosting between all. So it's just the four layers. Oh, okay. And then you drizzle caramel on the top. Okay. Yeah, that's that's very So you different. get all the flavors that they're doing, you know, that kind of thing, but it doesn't have to be so involved with the micro layers and all of this. Like that may be more traditional, but there are versions of this that are not going to take you 5 hours. And the caramel work, which is where most of their time in theory should have gone, is optional. That's all decoration. Was this the Alex Gornishelli episode you were talking about where you once made yes. a caramel rock? Okay. <laughs> yeah. So this is also a, 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 you know, one of my baking fails. But I, I, I mean, I made a Dobas tort for Thanksgiving this year. It's not impossible. Okay. I thought that there were a lot of really cool ideas that people were taking on this time. Yes. 
Definitely. I, Chetna's caramel grapes are fantastic. They remind me of a Dalek. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean that in a completely positive way. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't know how much I'd want to eat one. Seems like it might hurt your teeth a little bit. Mm, all carrots, <laughs> all hard candy. Um, it's not for crunching. Yeah, but I, I thought that she, you know, put together a showstopper, and the same as Louise. Yes. That that tower, that that crazy sugar work. Have you done a lot of sugar work? Almost none. Like I've made candy, I, and by candy I mean I've done toffee, where the big difficult thing you do is pouring it onto a sheet of parchment. I've never had to make it pretty so this is super impressive to me and i think so i've played around with this ever so and so like i tried doing some some sponge sugar out of you know just practicing one night because i had some extra uh caramel left over for something i was making and you know something that you don't think about is a lot of these really delicate caramel creations are not going to keep because if if they get wet they're going to fall apart oh okay and turn back into sugar so like that sugar nest that Richard has, it's not going to be there tomorrow. Oh my gosh. Because just the the water in the air is going to make it fall apart. Which if you're a baker who can do that kind of stuff is kind of bonkers really. Because it means that somebody could make that knowing, and they'd have to make it within a very small time frame. Unlike a lot of, for example, fancy wedding cakes that I've seen done on TV. A really elaborate wedding cake might be made, gosh, almost a three or four days in advance, step by step. And then you work on it when you can and then delivery is its own thing. Whereas with something like this tort or anything with sugar work, you really need to serve within what you think like five or six hours. Yeah. So they're, I mean, they're doing a lot of really cool, interesting stuff. And even the ones that didn't do a lot of things like Kate's pistachio spice. But I loved the idea. I thought that that was really cool. Yes. And... While it might not have hit the brief as much, I thought that that was a really nice looking cake. And the idea of it like bristling with, but if she had had more time, which is a classic sad thing to right. say, but that it was just like bristling with spikes around the top of each layer. That was, that was a really nice concept that took some thought and some planning and she just needed more of it. I mean, I guess the big conversation around this challenge is Richard versus Kate. Yes. Spoiler, no spoilers, but they end up not sending anybody home because they've got that option because Diana withdrew from the competition two weeks ago. And it was an interesting one because it wasn't that a lot of times when they don't send anybody home, it's because everyone did too well. In this case, it was more they didn't send someone home because of two people they both did equally badly. And they also, in another weird editing moment that's out of step for the show, the judges spoke at the elimination. Yes. And at at some length Mm -hmm. about their thought process and where they came from. Did you get a sense of of which one was on which person's side? No, I didn't didn't really pick up on that. What were you hearing? I didn't either. Hmm. And I thought that it would kind of come through a little bit more, but I couldn't really pick it out. Well, mysteries of mysteries. And th- I guess there was a possibility that it wasn't really the judge's call, that it was more the production team saying like, hey, there's going to be a week when we need to keep an extra person around. But between the two of them, I can see how they were pretty well in step. What would you have done? Would you have kept both of them? Is there one that you would have leaned more towards sending home over the other one? Of those two. I mean, 
like I said, they needed to keep a person if they were going to keep the same number of people in the final. So I don't see it as a bad week to keep an extra person. Yeah, I, I see that. I, I think if I had had to have sent somebody home, I probably would have sent Richard. Really? Okay. Just because it's the kind of the flavor over everything else. Right. You know, that's the, the byword of the show. Kate had two pretty good Dobas torts, and it looked elegant, even if it didn't meet the brief, mm-hmm. whereas Richard's was pretty higgledy-piggledy. <laughs> Love that phrase. But yeah, I can see that. On the other hand, I feel like if the real point of the final was the sugar work, Richard's was better than Kate's. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. I, I'm glad that they kept them both. They're, I like everybody who's yeah, left. That You know, mm-hmm. this is my... I mean, it's a really solid group, and you don't really want to see any of them go home. So I think that it's great that they all stay. And let's see, who have we not talked about? I think Martha bungled this one a little bit. Yeah, I think she tried to take the easy way out, but I think what saved her is that the concept looked so cool mm-hmm. that even though it wasn't very skillful on the sugar work, it ended up being cool enough that they didn't want to really mess with that. Right. It would have been too much like, yeah, this is great. But you missed the mark uh, when there were other people who missed the mark much more. Um, I There was a great quote from Kate that was, me pulled nuts are rubbish. And <laughs> I enjoyed that one. Um, one thing that I enjoyed seeing, and I've mentioned this before, I love that Luis cleans his workstation. Oh, and he, like, they had a lot of clips of him cleaning that workstation. And I'm glad in this, a challenge where everybody is, like, going balls to the wall to finish in time, that he's like... I don't have any time to help. I got to Windex this station down. You got it. Yeah, it did feel like kind of a baller move because it was like, (laughs) excuse me while I scrub my shit down. I bet that he organizes his underwear drawer by color and that he has got the KonMari fold down. Oh, yeah. I was like, I was just about to say, you know, he loves Marie Kondo. Mm, Yeah. I bet that everything in his desk drawers at work is at right angles. I bet he has little compartments to separate his pens from his pencils. You get the idea. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And I'm kind of into that. I mean, look who I married. (laughs) Yeah. And Chetna's our star baker at last. Yay, Chetna. You know, for a long time, she was the Susan Lucci of this season. (laughs) Just almost quite there. But so finally, she is a winner, baby. Yes. I was happy for Chetna. I'm always happy for Chetna. It was it was a good episode. I Of all the things that I saw made, the one that I would want to eat is not the yeasted cake or the one that had marzipan draped over it, but the one that was a cake that was 50-50 cake and filling and covered in caramel. So Absolutely. I think the Dovis tort looked the... I think that all of these looked really elegant, and I think that this kind of shows where the history of baking doesn't necessarily have to be old and stodgy you can amp it up with different flavors and make it look new and cutting edge and fresh and so i thought that that was really interesting because all of these are very old kind of things to take a look at and i thought that the very last line of the episode once again from nancy was really good she's like you know it's really stressful in there but it's such fun that's sweet and i think that that's where I get the sense from everybody who's left in this competition, on some level, they're all still having fun. I love that. Like, and you don't see that in a lot of TV shows, and I think that that's one of the things that helps make this special. Definitely. Yeah. I think that's the success of the show, in a nutshell. That it's not 
harsh or hurtful in any way. It's and no one no one's ever angry when they well, I don't know. Has there ever no one who comes to mind in this season at least has been angry to get sent home. They're just more like, "Oh well. It was yeah, a good time. I wish it could have gone sad. on longer." People some people are sad, some people cry, but They're not salty. No, and I think it's because there's not really a prize to be won. True. So, yeah. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be talking about our dual recreation of the Savarin this mm-hmm. week. Experimenting with yeast and cake. All right, and we're back. So something that I meant to mention up top that I wanted uh, to apologize about is I have been traveling, and that is why this episode is so late. I was in uh, Seattle for the midwinter meeting of the American Library Association, so sorry. Don't need to (laughs) apologize, Mac. I, uh, frankly, live my life kind of a day late and a dollar short and apologizing for forgetting about things. In fact, I was supposed to go visit a friend last week. Like, going to drive to Atlanta, spend the night, that kind of thing. She texted me this morning was like, so when are you coming? And I was like, oh, that's an excellent question. I am sorry. So, yeah, uh, that's sort of how I do things. And I think, didn't I text you yesterday and say, oh my gosh, I forgot to call you back and finish the episode? Yeah, and it was like, we were going to record tomorrow. Yeah. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's how, that's how I do things. Like oh shit was it today and the other person's like no i'm like oh okay but we are prepared to talk today and both megan and i did the signature bake this week we each made a european yeasted cake in fact we both made saverins mm-hmm. named after a dude named saverin i believe Am oh I making okay that up? but or maybe there is just a dude named saverin I might be completely <laughs> full of shit there <laughs> but i do remember okay so here's my really vague I've got a better idea. Instead of making it really vague, I'm going to look up the history of the Savarin. It's a kind of rum baba, which is a dessert that's based on soaking uh, a yeasted cake in syrup and alcohol, hence the rum. A rum baba is very small. It's more something you do in a muffin tin, and it's sometimes filled with whipped cream, pastry cream, and it's an individual serving type cake. But a savarin is a larger form, uh, usually made in some sort of a ring or a bunt pan. And I did a bunt pan because it's what I had. Did you go with the bunt pan? So I used a ring pan uh, because that's actually... What I, I guess it was a, a bunt pan. It was a, a ring pan with some um, texture in it. Oh, cool. The original baba was introduced to France in the 18th century, attributed to Stanislaus I, the exiled king of Poland. The La Russe Gastronomique has reported that Stanislaus had the idea of soaking a dried gugelhoop, which is a cake that some of the contestants also did. So basically, you let your cake get old and then soak it in sugar and liquor. And another version of the story is that Stanislaus brought back a baba from one of his voyages. It dried up and one of his chefs fixed the problem by, again, soaking it in booze and adding some cream and fresh raisins. And I think that's interesting because while it might have seemed like they were all making very different things, it does seem like the difference is just do you soak it at the end? Yes. The Savarin has kind of a different mixture my recipe didn't call for alcohol at all did yours no mine actually used a uh, a lemon mixture okay yeah mine 
I did something a little bit different because I had been to Whole Foods and I was excited because I found out that we were getting sent to Hawaii and they had on the clearance rack for 55% off a bottle of coconut syrup and I thought it had Hawaii on the label and I thought I need that (laughs) and that's the story of how I brought home coconut syrup. So I figured I'd use that. And it was it was kind of cool because it had like a stabilizer in it, but nothing super chemical. But it was mostly like coconut cream, water, and sugar. So it was pretty much what the recipe said to use. So that's what I ended up going with. This cake kind of came together. And so Megan and I are going to kind of talk about it, you know, in steps and see kind of how our recipes went together. So what was yours ultimately? Mine was a yeasted lemon cake and I got it from our good friends over at King Arthur Flour. I sort of winged it a little bit. Uh, Mine was actually a Paul Hollywood recipe that I found on BBC.com. And the recipe name, if anybody wants to look it up, is Savarin with Chantilly Cream. And I took the base Savarin recipe and went in another direction with it because I was going to use the coconut syrup. I decided to go with more of a tropical fruit uh, filling and topping in the center of the ring mold. And so for that, I used mango, blueberries, and clementines. And then with the coconut syrup. The first step besides like greasing the pan and setting the oven and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. is that you have to create your yeasted mixture. Uh, that you're going to use and so mine started with uh creating a little bit of that with creating a little bit of that sponge that they were talking about on the show which is where you combine flour yeast sugar salt and some warm milk and butter to kind of go around and and mix that for a couple of minutes to activate the yeast was that part of the recipe it was nice mine didn't have that and it took a lot longer to rise Oh, okay. How long did you have to rise yours for? Uh, almost two hours. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. I didn't make it in the time, obviously, but um, hadn't watched the episode when I made the recipe, or I might have tried to do a sponge and sort of innovate that way. But yeah, that really helped them time-wise. Yeah, and it, I think it would have helped you too, because I only had to rise mine for an hour. Oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. That definitely would have helped then. And actually, you know, Towards the end of it, it probably could have gone either way. So it's a, it's, mine was kind of an eggier cake. So I, I think I put like something like you know, four or six eggs in it, something like that. Mine had six. And then some zest from my lemons. That's mine was more of a lemon flavored cake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what went into your cake? Was it just a, was it just a, was it just a base cake or was it? It was a base cake and it was mixed essentially the same way that a bread would be. So you whisk your flour, sugar, and yeast in a bowl. Uh, I used the stand mixer. And separately, the salt, milk, and eggs. And then you slowly pour wet ingredients into dry while the mixer's running. And it's said in the recipe to beat well with a wooden spoon for five minutes. I said, no, thank you. I'm not here for exercise. And just <laughs> let it run on the lowest setting of the mixer. And then it had me add softened butter by the tablespoon. And it used six ounces. And it gradually beat the butter into, into the mixture. And it made like a thick, sticky batter. It's made the same way as bread, but because the proportions are different, it ended up with a very different texture. Which is a good point for me to mention that this was actually my second attempt at a Saverin. My first was disastrous. I counted on a Dory Greenspan recipe for a rum baba because it's the same base cake but hers somehow so it had like double the yeast that this one did but whereas this one used let me see the recipe that ended up working used 12 ounces of flour which is three cups or more the one i tried the first time only used three quarters of a cup and but had twice as much yeast and quite a bit of liquid 
And when I just went with it because it said, okay, it's going to be a thin batter. I'm like, all right, give it a shot. I don't know how this is going to work. But uh, it didn't work. Instead, it kind of exploded. There were these huge air bubbles. And when I pulled it out, it had like burned slash cooked to the top of the ring mold. And there were big holes in it. And I think what basically happened with that was that the yeast was so powerful and there was almost no gluten development in it. So there was nothing to trap these air bubbles. So it just kind of exploded and like uh. threw shit all over the place. Like, yeah, Paul Hollywood did way better with this. But so the recipe I'm describing is the one that was successful, not my initial disastrous attempt that took two days of scrubbing the pan to get out of the crevices. <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating there. It was two full days. Yeah, I think that that's something that if a recipe doesn't have enough flour in it, it's not going to catch that air. And because it's the only leavening thing in it. It might expand a little bit in the oven, but that doesn't mean that it's going to necessarily do all the growing that it needs to do. Yeah, and how like how do you need a batter? Like a thin <laughs> batter. Like you're not. You're just stirring it. Uh, right. So I that one did not work at all, which was surprising and kind of sad because I worship Dory, but <laughs> that recipe didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, and that's that and that's fine. You gotta try different things and find out what you're doing. Uh, oh, and I didn't mention, I rose mine in the pan. Same with you? There were two rises. Oh, okay. All right, so I had a double, and the first one I did in a covered bowl, and that was the two-hour rise. And then I put it in the pan, and it was like another hour and a half. But my house is cold. Like, I'm I'm right. a winter creature, and so it's maybe 70 degrees in here. Yeah, mine just grew straight in the pan, so I was kind of hoping. I was like, well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> All right, so when it was time to bake, how long and at what temp? So mine was 375, and I stuck it in there for, it said 22 to 25, so I started checking kind of early. And, you know, there's some, because I don't, I've never had a burn before, and I didn't know what this cake was, you know, right. I could poke it, but I was like, is that the color I'm going for? Nah. It sure looks like a baked color. <laughs> <laughs> it's closer to brown than to pale yellow. Right. So, I, But I think I ended up taking it out probably about 22 or 23 more on the earlier side because I didn't want it to dry out. Mine's pretty similar. When I put it in, it was at like 355 and uh, it baked for 25 minutes. And it, I was sure to let it cool. How did they have you do the syrup? Okay. So I so I made a syrup out of three quarters of a cup of sugar, half a cup of water, and half a cup of lemon juice. So I basically, it's a simple syrup, but replacing half the water with lemon juice. So, and then you just boil all that together until it starts to thicken up just a little bit. It takes a, should take about 10 minutes, something like that. I, I tend to make a simple syrup. Not all the time, but pretty regularly. I read a when I was teaching myself to to mix drinks a little bit. I, I was using a very snooty book that had very definite opinions about Ooh. using bottled syrups and mixers and things like that because, and I I think that their point holds that stuff shouldn't be shelf stable. Yeah, yeah. You know, simple simple syrup isn't shelf stable. It will crystallize and then it will start to turn. Same with sweet and sour mix or anything, and so. Once I started making my own, there really is no going back on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, but uh, so this was pretty easy to make. It was a runnier syrup, mm. and I think that that's probably because Deliberate. the 
Yeah, because the lemon isn't going to come together as much as the water is or boil out as easily as the water is. That makes sense. Did you find that the cake smelled really strong while baking? Yeah, I mean, I thought that it had a a pretty, you know, make your house smell warm and inviting kind of smell. But I think that that has to do with the yeasted quality of it because, you know, like bread will fill your house with aroma in a way that cake usually doesn't. Mine smelled yeasty too. Like, I make bread a lot. And it smelled yeastier than bread. Hmm. Like, it was intense uh, to me. And maybe it's just because I wasn't expecting it, but it, and that comes into play later when I talk <laughs> about flavor. So I took it out, took it out of the pan. It didn't stick, which was great. Uh, you know, my good friend Pam. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> Love her. And so then it had to cool. And then I had to brush the syrup. Or actually, before I turned it out, I started brushing the syrup into the cake okay and so i used a pastry brush and i was brushing syrup into this cake and i gotta say this is one of the weirdest things that i feel like i've done to a cake in a long long time (laughs) that's i'm i'm reading that comment as sexual which i know it's not meant to be (laughs) doing weird shit to this cake but well because it's kind of thin and so i'm just like it feels like i'm brushing water on a cake and it's like well how much is all of this supposed to go in this cake? That seems like a lot. I used the whole bottle of my syrup, so yeah. How much did you use? So I ended up using, okay, so I brushed, you know, probably a third of it on to the bottom. And then I turned it out, let it cool, and then I started brushing the rest of it over the top and in the middle and all that. But I kind of got bored with that. Um, yeah understandably because it was taking forever and i didn't understand what i was doing and so kind of towards the end i started more sloshing it on the cake there we go there we go and so to me and it made a huge mess and um oh was it just on a plate it was on a cooling rack okay yeah (laughs) okay i've done this so it all ran out underneath yeah and you were like fuck it i don't care (laughs) right i was like i've been pouring this cake is it's not a huge cake. I mean, it's a decent sized cake, but it's not a huge cake. So there's plenty of syrup in there. Yeah. And then I let it go. And I... Let it go. All right. So so how did you syrup your cake? I took it completely out of the pan. And then I don't think I let it get dry enough. I think ideally this would be kind of like a fruitcake situation where it would have to get like old and dry because it didn't soak up everything i because i had taken it out of the pan i poured the syrup into the pan and then put the cake back into the pan so the syrup would squish up around it interesting and let it sit and the recipe said to pour the remainder of the syrup into a roasting pan but my roasting pan is huge yeah you'd just be like chasing it around like i didn't see how that made sense so i poked a bunch of holes like a poke cake and poured the syrup over the top and that got a little bit messy but most of it went in and around the sides of the cake and so that was my method and it was really fast so i would recommend it i'd do that if you were going to do a syrup soaking just put it back in the pan yeah i think i might try that next time because that sounds easier and it's not (laughs) gonna that while you were describing what you were doing like what (laughs) like just like brushing it well, and that's like, like when when I got to the end, I was like, why didn't I just pour this all on the top? 
it'll seep through this pan. Is it that I'm worried that it's not going to come out of the pan? But if I take it out first, then that solves that problem. Yeah, and my syrup, because it had, I wasn't worried about it because it had stabilizers. Like, it wasn't going to crystallize. It was just going to be, like, glue, worst case scenario. And then you would just upend it and let it sit until gravity did its job. Then it came time to decorate the cake. And Mm -hmm. you'll see by our pictures on Instagram that mine is not decorated. (laughs) And the reason is... You ran out of time. I didn't run out of time. I was going to go over because I wanted to try something new this week. I got some new frosting tips. Ooh. And so and so I was going to try to make some royal icing flowers to go on this cake. That'd be fun. Evidently it wasn't because it wasn't decorated when you just yeah. yeah. So I thought that that would be a nice touch and all of this. And so I went to make my royal icing and I don't know what I did because royal icing is just like eggs and sugar. Right. However, I made it, I made it probably with not enough sugar because it didn't dry fast enough. And so I would like pipe something and then it would turn into a blob. Oh no. And I would pipe something else and it would turn into a blob. Was it warm? It, it No, because like none of that stuff's warm when you cook it oh. or when you, you make it. And so, but I didn't have any more icing sugar. I'd used all the icing sugar I had, so I couldn't add more in or try another batch or anything. I was kind of stuck with what I had. Mm-hmm. And so, and it tasted fine, but like royal icing just tastes like, it just tastes like sugar, you know? Yeah, and because that's s- all it is, really, that in color. Right. And and then I watched a lot of very fresh, and so I was trying to do this, and I was watching a lot of very frustrating women on frustrating YouTube. Frustrated Frustrating. Frustrating okay. me. Uh, <laughs> who were who were showing me how to make frosting roses, and they they make it look they're like you just do this and this and this and keep spinning and, me, and it's just the same step over and over and over. And it's like no, it's not. It's not. No, if I had had icing that was made appropriately, or maybe a thick buttercream or something, mm-hmm. maybe this would have gone better. But it did not. So we just had a pretty basic coffee clatch kind of cake That's, at the you know, Freeman Goff household. <laughs> but it tasted delicious. My recipe called for all kinds of stuff to go in and around the cake. Like it had Chantilly cream. It had uh, caramel shards. It had all kinds of fancy stuff. And I had kind of decided from the get-go that I wanted it to be tropical anyway. And all that is best suited, I think, to just putting some fruit in. So that's what I did. And I was also, I've I've become a little bit of a snob about fresh fruit and not wanting to buy things out of season. And because I've just had some bad, like, for example, I don't know if avocados are in season right now or not, but I've bought several at my neighborhood grocery store. And for example, they don't soften ever. They just (laughs) get older and turn into rubber that is green. So that kind of thing has happened a lot. You get the mealy apples, you get the bananas are fine, but I've been trying to buy things more in season because it's better and you know, the planet and all that stuff, but mostly because it's better. I ended up going with frozen fruit because frozen is often harvested, peeled, cut, and frozen at the height of of ripeness so frozen fruit if its texture holds up well and it does better for some fruits than for others can be better than fresh fruit out of season so i went with frozen mango and blueberries the downside there of not getting just mango 
uh, is that the blueberries dyed the mango purple. So I put it in the middle of my cake and it looked like sort of a sad purple Dalmatian effect. And <laughs> so the reason why I didn't get all frozen mango is because it was more expensive. And so <laughs> like you see where this is going. Yep. Uh, yeah, cheap doesn't necessarily always go well with appearance, but it tasted fine. So I figure, well, what am I going to do to fix this? And I had a can of whipped cream, and I'm not going to lie to you, I used that, and it was ready whip, and <laughs> it was ready. And so I was like, well, I wasn't going to use the ready whip, but I got it. And so I put like, you know, a Dairy Queen style spiral on top of that ugly ass fruit, and it looked better. So felt good about that, but I thought, you know what, I could make this real fancy. And there were all these little, it's the... I think they call it the Brilliant Pan by Nordicware, and it's the same one that Louis uses. And you notice that in the competition for the first challenge, Louis puts a little sugared almond in yeah. each little well. And so I did that, but I put a little frozen blueberry in it, and in the process, dyed my fingers purple. And I was like, well, that's fun, but let's up the ante some more. So I put, what do you call it? Oh, the, the word escapes me. Where you cut oranges. Wedges? No, not just wedges. It's where you cut the peel and the pith off, so it's just the squishy part, and it's pretty. They're like oh, little jewels. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, I want to say... It's like, Julianne, no, that, no, that's not even close. <laughs> but I did that, and it was pretty, and I felt good about myself. And it turned out, it looked really nice. Unfortunately, I have learned something, which is that I'm not a fan of the Saverin. Um, really? Yeah, I, you know, took my pictures. I thought, that actually looks really good, good for me. I do not think I did the Saverin wrong. I think I, I did fine. The texture was okay. I did not like yeast in a cake. It felt wrong. Okay. And I think that you're getting into what my biggest thoughts about this was, was I thought that the flavor of my cake was pretty good. Yeah. It was lemon, aggressively lemon. Mm. Like um cleansing fluid lemon or like no, just, just lemon? Yeah, like lemon syrup, lemon zest. Like this has a consistent point of view flavor and it's lemon. So, But I kind of, like I feel like that's what, we like strong flavors, so that's a good thing for us. And, I, and obviously you like lemon or you wouldn't have chosen the recipe. Right. Okay. And so, but the texture was weird. Mm, like a sponge, like a loofah. Like your grandma's loofah? Yeah. And it was like... I think that part of the case with mine was it looked like a pound cake. Mm. And, and so what like, you wanted. You're like, mm, pound cake. And, you know, so like Dale took a bite and he's like, that wasn't what I was expecting to put in my mouth at all. <laughs> so like it was light and airy, but then it had like a little bit of a chew to it. And it wasn't bad. It just wasn't exactly what I wanted. It was yeasty. Yeah. And like that was a strong flavor. Yeast came to the cake party. And, and, so, and so my my pan was a uh, was the kind where it's got like ridges all along the outside, so it gives you a really obvious place to like cut a slice out. Mm -hmm. And so the slices are pretty small, and so you're like, well, I'll have a little piece. And then Dale got the flu, and so you always want to treat when you've got the flu. And so over the course I of just like the next, want to vomit, but um, over the course of the next five or six days. We ate the whole thing. Oh, wow. So, obviously, you didn't hate it. We didn't hate it, but, like, I don't... But you don't like There it are so many excellent cakes out there, and all cakes 
kind of take roughly the same amount of time before you start getting into like the fancy cakes. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, well, this was, this wasn't crazy involved. The yeasting part, like you had to wait on it, but it wasn't very involved, but it was just kind of like, okay, I'm glad to have done that. And it was about the yeast ultimately, wasn't it? More than, was, or was it more the texture for you? I think it was the texture, but I think the yeast is what caused that texture. Yes. I think, I think a different leavening agent would have given a, you know, yeah, exactly. For lack of a better word, a cakier feel to it. And I wonder in the episode, Martha talks about how she, I can't remember if it's a savarin or something else. I don't think it's a sap. Anyway, but it's a yeasted cake. And she said that it came out tasting like bread. And so she like kind of bent the recipe a whole lot that she was using and added cakier ingredients. And I think what she probably did was find a way to move away from the yeasted quality by adding a whole bunch of extra butter, etc. And so I salute that move because it tasted like... A loaf of bread that you poured a lot of syrup on. Because it's so syrup-soaked, that's where the flavor comes from. And so it seems like the cake itself is just kind of a structure. It's like if you buy like cheap French fries, you're not eating those because they're French fries. You're eating them because they are a, a vehicle for your favorite sauce. Yeah, yeah. And so this was very much a vehicle for lemon syrup. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but you're probably right. But it does very specifically remind me of my grandmother's. It wasn't a natural sea sponge, but it was like an imitation sea yeah. sponge. And it's like kind of craggy looking, but it's that perfect sort of peanut shape. Yep. Yep. That was exactly the texture of mine. And I don't feel the need to repeat that experience. So as like you and I both sound like we are not necessarily going to be on the making Saverin train all the time. Probably Would not. you... Would you try another yeasted cake? I try a Google Hopf, I think. Like, I, I could get into it. I I can see how that might be better or different because I think, isn't Panettone uh, yeasted as well? I'm not sure. All I know is that there's a drag queen named Miss Coco Peru who loves a Panettone and <laughs> has a lot of very funny YouTube videos about them. Because she only she gives them to her neighbors for Christmas, but she refuses to spend more than six dollars on a panettone. I like this story. I like this story <laughs> a lot. Um, I'm looking it up to see if it has yeast in it. I bet it is because it, it's it's bread like for sure. Panettone is yeasted. Yeah, people yeah. are calling it a bread. Yes, and so it has that vibe, and I feel like a Google Hub would be a little bit like a panettone. In fact, I think a panettone is kind of like these cakes, like in that it walks the line between a bread that is sweet and a cake. And it made me wonder, like, how is this that much different from a cinnamon roll? Yeah. I, well, and I, I mean, the lines it's are... It's laminated, and, but it's, it's a bread with filling. Yeah, I, and I think that the lines for all of this stuff are pretty vague, and I think that that's why things that maybe, did, you know, some people are just like, a yeasted cake. They didn't say, like, they were coming out of a specific tradition. They were just like, yeah, it's a cake. It's got yeast in it. Yeah. Moving on. Right. I wouldn't do this one again, but I wouldn't say that a yeasted cake is a bad idea. Or a yeasted sweet. Definitely not. I, I think that for cakes in particular, though, I, I think there's a reason that we've moved mostly to baking powder. And that this is an interesting historical thing, but that the desserts where yeast has kind of remained the main thing... I think it's there for a reason. And this is, 
an interesting footnote, but not something that I necessarily want to bring back from the past. No, agreed. Yes, absolutely to that. So I am much more excited about next week. I know. It is, remind me what the title, is it pastry or is it? I think it's, it's advanced pastry. Advanced pastry. But one thing I'm really excited about is that we get to make savory well, an option. What I want to make is the savory parcels. And uh, see, and I'm actually going to take on my very first showstopper next week uh, with the eclairs. Oh, I'm scared. I'm scared for you. You're going to knock it dead. (laughs) We'll we'll see how it goes. A friend told me that, because remember we said that hot water crust pastry did Mm -hmm. not sound appetizing. A friend told me that she's had it and it's actually delicious. Oh, cool. So I was thinking about giving that a shot with my parcels if the opportunity presents itself to sort of see what that's like and get a taste of it myself. Oh, it's like, well, I've got to start, you know, I've got to find my, my recipes and all of that, especially for my shoe pastry, which I had to start with by realizing that shoe is spelled with a C and not an S. Oh, that's so <laughs> cute. Look how cute you are. Yeah, like, I think of it as sounding more like a sneeze. Yeah. Choo. It's like a shoe pastry, you know, with a C and an X. <laughs> that makes sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're like, and is there anything else you wanted to add about your Saverin? Most of mine ended up in the garbage. Oh, I know. Well, I maybe you'll start that. making stuff that you like. Let's hope so. That was a rough week. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. If you like the show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you're listening. It really does help people find the show. Leave us a comment, and you can reach out to us via email at thegingamaltershow at gmail.com. You can also see pictures of our bakes and other stuff that we do on Instagram at thegingamaltershow. Our theme music is a song called Cheery Monday, and it is licensed by under Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 from Incompetech. And yeah, I think I did the outro without the script. Uh, you can find out all... <laughs> yeah, well, that's find fine out... with me because I'm desperately looking for the uh, the what I'm supposed to say, so I'm completely focused on myself. <laughs> uh, it's like you can find all that and more in the show notes each week. And yeah, so thanks. yep all right thanks for listening until next time this is megan and this is mac wishing you a lovely bake